0: You're listening to Fox on the Wire Podcast. Welcome everybody to another episode of Fox on the Wire. Hope everyone's doing well. Today we've got singer, songwriter and 12-string guitarist Brett Frankie in the house. Welcome, Brett. Thanks,
1: Craig. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for tracking down. We've come uh, rocked up in the
1: middle of a potential storm, I think. Massive thunderstorm. Um I drove down from Woodend um, and drove across the top through Wallen, and it's quite elevated, the drive through the hills, and just, um, you could see it coming across Melbourne. Yeah. Dry lightning, some big, massive lightning strikes, and I'm thinking, great.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the um, emergency app that I've got on the phone, has been going off since you got here, actually, or just yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we've missed it or if it's still coming, but um, mm. we'll keep an eye on the, on the hail. The calm, <laughs> the calm before the storm. Yeah, it's really <laughs> strange, crazy weather at the moment. So. Yeah. Uh, so you're based in Woodend. So did you guys go okay with the sort of fires up there
1: recently? Um, yeah, compared to the rest of the state, uh, geez. Uh, we got out of it very lightly. Um, um, you know, just terrible what's happening. Um, not only in Victoria, but New South Wales and, and Queensland and South Australia now. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say we got out of it really lightly. Like you, I've got the emergency app, so we just have to keep an eye on it. And um, there was a couple of spot fires happening, uh, Sunbury, um, a couple out in Black Forest Road, just south of Woodend, and um, it all makes, always makes you really nervous. Um, yeah. But it's good to check in on them um, and then check, check in on them every hour and then see that, you know, under control yeah that that makes you feel a lot better
0: yeah i mean the the firefighters just do an amazing
1: job it's just they they're do incredible um it is incredible um yeah they um uh without them we'd we'd be this country would be you know yeah. we'd be knackered. yep yep i've got a couple of mates that that do it um and they the sacrifices they make not only leaving their family for weeks um sometimes months um but uh you know they they don't get paid for it and they have to, uh, you know, they have to get permission from their workplace to go. Yeah. Um, and I'm not too sure on the legalities and all that, but I just know they make massive sacrifices. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we're indebted to them. Yeah. Uh, the men and women who devote their time for the CFA. It's yeah. just fantastic.
0: All the emergency services really, you know. Um, yeah. SES and everything. Yeah, and, um, Yeah. true. Yeah, a good mate of mine, Adam Kelly, he's... Uh, He's in the CFA and Yeah. He's been in it for quite a while, so you know, yeah. Shout out to him. He's also my old bass player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Yeah. So last night you played in Bendigo um at a venue called William Little. Yes, How William was Little.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Um probably Bendigo's newest live music um venue, I'd probably say. Yeah. Um so for anyone that knows Bendigo, it's um it's on the corner of William and Little Littleton Terrace. Uh, there's a roundabout there that that has about five arms off it. It's pretty crazy, mm. but they're right on the corner. It's the old um La Piquetta's, the pizza joint, right? Okay. So it's a restaurant um um run by Tony and Sally. Um, very nice people and um they've only had it for about don't quote me on this but i think 12 months mm. not much longer and um revamped it um and got it it's predominantly um they they do pizzas there but they also do a you know palmers and you know um you know everything nice um and they've done a really good job so in doing that they wanted to get live music running so they they put the word out a while ago and um uh, they have another venue in Melbourne that I that I play at regularly, so they said, Look, we've got a new one in Bendigo, how would you like to come up there? And I said, Yep. I'm just Bendigo's not that far up the road, it's about fifty minutes from Woodend, so mm. being a muse, that's what we do. We drive. Yep. You'd know that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we even drive for um podcasts. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you have to. I mean <laughs> at least you drive
1: in style. I do I do drive in style <laughs> these days, I have to admit,
0: yeah. Um Yeah, I've seen photos of this venue in Bendigo, William Little, that look really—dare I say—picturesque. Yeah, it's really nice place. Yeah.
1: Um, So they got—it's a big old, it's a beautiful old building, and it it commands presence because it's right on the corner. Um, So when you go through the middle of Bendigo, it just stands out and hits you in the face. And um, it helps that it's surrounded by a big terrace um, balcony. Hmm. Um. The building itself is probably, you know, 150 years old. Um, well, So, originally they had us play up on the balcony and that was a bit hit and miss because um, the restaurant downstairs is quite full and it spills out onto the forecourt, but upstairs they don't get a lot of patronage. Right. So, quite often we'd be playing to half a dozen people, um, but a whole heap of people downstairs that could hear the music and, um, mm. you know, finish a song and... You hear people downstairs clapping, which is Ugh. a bit weird. <laughs> um, and people yelling out from the street. I felt like uh, the first time we played there was a bit of fun because, you know, we're on the balcony. Um, well, the first time we played there, we played inside upstairs and uh, we, we thought, oh, you know, this is a pretty small little room and there was probably 10 people in there. Um, and so we kept the levels pretty low and we used a, a really um, a small drum kit. And then after our first set, (laughs) the owners come up and said, "Oh, do you mind playing out on the balcony? Because we want to advertise music and bring people in." So we moved out onto the balcony, and it was pretty cold. So I was a bit hesitant, Um, you know. But I thought it's just another thing you got to do. You know, we're employees of the venue for the night. Yeah. So we went out on the balcony, and um, and it was pretty cold. But they put the heaters on. They got these nice gas heaters, and so we may do, but we sort of did probably five or six gigs there um you know every if not every week every second weekend and things weren't kind of working um as far as you know crowds coming up on the balcony um and they had a lot of other bands play too same story but um uh recently just before christmas i think it was the 23rd or 24th of that was the 23rd i think somewhere around there um um it, we had that 41 degree day in Melbourne, I don't know if any everybody remembers. Mm. But uh we we were playing in Bendigo that night, so it was 41 degrees. Um and they had us up on a balcony. Now there was um they had two work breakups. So they had uh, about 80 people up on this balcony. Wow. So, you know, we'd hit the jackpot. This is great. Very good. This is awesome. Um and they also had um uh, um they had a, a vapor mist blowing out through a hose system over our heads, cool. which was really good because we needed it. Because you would have, people would have died, you know, right? <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, setting up, that everything is getting wet, so I'm taking care to cover the amps. And, and yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I sit on a stool these days because um, I've got my drummer, and we just like to keep it, you know, sit on a stool and keep it intimate and in those situations. And um, so, uh, Clarky, Rob Clark, my drummer um he'll he'll sit on his stool on his drum kit and i'll sit on my stool with my acoustic guitar (laughs) and away we go but i remember looking at the stool and every time i had to sit down and i had to wipe it it was literally getting that wet well um so this spray mist would come on intermittently and um at the end of the night you know three sets uh, three hours or whatever I'm looking around, oh, sec- end of second set, I'm looking around and, and checking on you know the puddles forming around the, all the electrical cables and I thought, you know what, this is how I go out, I get electrocuted <laughs> on stage mm. and I think, you know, I can see it now, oh, at least he died doing what he loves, yeah. all this sort of <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, needless to say, that was, a, that was an interesting night, 41 degrees and we did three sets and then the barman come up and said, can you do another set? And we were we were knackered, you can imagine. Um, and we said, "Yeah, we'll do it." And he um threw us some extra money, um, which was a good incentive. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was a it was a really good night. But that was probably the first successful night we had up there on the balcony. Um, so last night we played a gig there, and we got there, and they said we're going to have you downstairs outside on the forecourt, which is a really nice area, and um. Yeah, we played to about thirty, forty people down there, That's and all right. it was a really good night. Cool. Yeah, really good.
0: Um, so is there any like when you're playing up on the balcony, like some venues have noise restrictions because of the businesses, you know, on the rest of the street, they don't have any issues that you know of or that um, they've brought
1: up yet. Yeah, not none that I've heard <laughs> of. Um, that has a has been a concern, but uh, you know what? I, I never real I never ever hear this. Um. Um, and this venue is probably one of the first ones that have ever said it to us, turn up. Mm, turn wow. up. We want people yeah. to hear you, and we <laughs> want right. people to come and know that there's live music here. So yep. that's um, every musician's dream, especially guitarists. Yeah. Um,
0: turn up. Turn up. Yep. So when you, when you say we, you're talking about your band Temple of Tunes.
1: Yeah, Temple of Tunes, which consists of um, myself and um, Rob Clark these days. Um, we're sort of our bass player. Um, Damien Peck is, um, is, he's do- doing other projects and pretty busy these days. Um, so we've sort of, I did a lot of these, um, last, last year, 2019, um, and they probably the year before I would only do probably, um, 10 to 12 band gigs a year Yeah, and all the rest was solo. So yeah. I do about 40 solo gigs a year, mm. um, and probably 10 band gigs um and that's got a lot to do with um uh you know money uh what the venues are willing to pay um because you know musicians like to be paid so mm. um sometimes you know 400 500 dollars is easy easy to split than 150 dollars sort of thing yeah um so uh yeah Damien damo's uh doing his own thing um with his band called the uh, Bay Street Pe- Preachers, which are um, doing really well. Um, he's also got... Um, Damien does um, kids' music as well. Um, oh, yeah. So he's just released a, a children's album. That's a big market. That's a think. big mar- huge market, <laughs> and he's really good <laughs> at it. Something to think about. He's really good at it. He's tapped into it, and he's yep. doing really well. So oh, cool. I mean, I'm, the door's always open for him, but, um, you know, I, I sort of did a lot of solo gigs and I thought you know what I'm sick of um I'm sick of, I used to play a foot drummer a cajon and use yeah. a and use a kick pedal yeah. on, from a drum kit and use that You still doing that? I still do that occasionally. Yeah. Uh, I did that on Friday night in Melbourne. Yeah. Does um, that really suits your yeah, your stuff? It does suit, yeah. but uh, you know doing it for years and years and years now I thought you know what I'm just and the fact that I think I got sick of going to venues and setting up by myself and mm. Doing this, doing the, the Lone Ranger thing. I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to have some company for a change. Yeah. Um. So, Clarky Rob Clark, who's been with me, um, Temple of Tunes, for since its conception. Um, Two
0: thousand six. Two yeah. thousand
1: and six. Geez, you've done your homework. Done mate. my homework. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he's been been uh, with me, and uh, he knows the stuff. And, and you know, we've been playing. We've played that many gigs together over the years, um, especially early on. 2006 to 2000 and sort of 1415 um so yeah he's uh, sitting in with me on drums at the moment and we do call ourselves Templar tunes yeah just minus a bass player yeah
0: but your yep. guitar sound is pretty full so you probably wouldn't m- miss the bass yeah we hugely. get away with it yeah,
1: yeah it's a huge sound because yeah. uh, it is a 12 string um yeah. and i do run Sometimes run it through one amp, sometimes through two amps because yeah. um, I do have a um, two outputs out of my guitar and and, and w- one runs through a, a pedal chain that creates a dirty sound and the other one um, is acoustic and uh, then I blend the two sounds in and out. Mm. Um, so it creates a big full sound, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest sounds for an acoustic guitar that I've come across for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. not just because of the 12 string, I don't think. Part of it, but just yep. whatever rig you've got set up there is, um, just gives it a huge sound.
1: Yeah. I've spent a lot of time, like all guitarists musicians, um, hunting for that special sound. And, you know, I got close a few times. And when you do get close and you think, yep, this is it. Um, and then you hear someone else or something else and think, oh, got to make mine better. Yeah. Um, it's not competition, it's just about, um, trying to be- get the best out of, uh, your sound that you can. Learning. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a learning thing, it's, and it it's con- constantly changes. Like, you might be happy with the sound. You might keep that for, you know, a couple of years, but then you'll see some other new Fandango thing on the market, and you think, maybe that could be a good mm. um, addition to my pedal board. So you buy that, and sometimes it work and so- works, and sometimes it doesn't. So Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty happy with it now. Um, well, I'm very happy with it now. So, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's taken me a long time.
0: Yeah, uh, Temple of Tunes is pretty much like a a blend of fusion, blues, roots, progressive rock, and a bit of funk.
1: You know and what? That, with your solo <laughs> stuff too. Yeah, um, we put all those things in there because we just don't know where we sit. Yeah. Um, so I thought we'll just put every genre in there, and then Well,
0: it's hard to pick <laughs> these, like it's, especially to judge yeah.
1: your own material. You know what? I was listening to Bob Crane yeah. last week on this on this <laughs> program on this on this yeah. cast, and. Um, he said it best. He said, you know, he summed up folk music, what it was, yeah. and I thought, right, I've got to scrub that off my bio. Yeah, we me too. Because we ain't folk.
0: No, nah, no, I yeah. I, really, I just always associate it with uh, acoustic guitar um, mainly, I guess. Um, yeah. But the way he described it, I'm like, oh, no, nah, that's not really me. So mm. I think I had to pull that one off as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Whoops, sorry, Bob. Yeah. But thanks, 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 Bob. Yeah, thanks for setting the story <laughs> story straight. Um, always saw folk as acoustic guitar. Yeah, but storyteller. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, look, I, I'll put my hand up. I'm not a storyteller. Mm. I just write. Um, you know, uh, I, I will call myself blues rock. I think that's mm. the best description. And with a, you know. A, there's some grunge in there, because I do draw on um, that whole Seattle sound, and I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a big part of me growing up as a young adult. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I draw a lot on that. All my favorite bands are, you know, from Seattle. Yeah. And then Led Zeppelin, and all the classics, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, you pull it. so many influences from so many different uh, genres and eras. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like. I think I was saying to Bob, you know, people listen to your stuff and they get a, they might get a glimpse of like Alice in Change that that's that's spilled out, or they might get a glimpse of uh, Led Zeppelin, and that's all cool. Doesn't mean you sound like it, and you've purposely gone for that because most of the time you're surprised what people uh, reference it to. I yeah, find, yeah, true, yeah, um, and you're like, oh, that's cool, I like that. Mm-hmm. So now that you've got your sound worked out. And you, I mean, you have for a while, but you've obviously got your own amps and pedals and stuff. Do you find all the different venues you'd take it to, it sounds a little bit different still?
1: Yeah, and that's always a battle, um, and that is just the battle. Um, different venues and different uh, materials in the room, um, how the room's built and how it's finished is going to affect the sound, no doubt. Um, and then again, you've got a um, something that... Um, I think Fisher touched on a few weeks ago uh, when he said, "How much gear do you take to a place? You know, oh, is, yeah. it, is it viable to, to take a big rig um, and you know bring bring all the bells and whistles for such mm. a small little gig? Um, so you've got to weigh that up as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. I tend yeah. to keep mine pretty pretty simple. So um, I like simple, and yeah, yeah um,
1: 70 percent long- of my gigs are simple today.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, as long as your guitar's got a good pickup." Mm. And you can, you know, how to sort of tweak the EQ a little bit. I find yep. that mostly does the job in most venues with most PAs. Yeah. Um. But, you know, and then you hear a, a setup like yours, which sounds huge, and you're like, oh, maybe I could add a few things. But mm. I, don't, I used to have a pedal board with my, with my electric in my yep. rock days, yep. um, which I still do a little bit of. But mm. with the acoustic stuff, I just like... The raw sound, yeah. I think of the acoustic, yeah, as much as I can, as long as the pickup's okay and it's not peeking out or anything like that. Mm. So, um, I, one of the my, I think the last gig we played together, um, and one of the, the better sounding venues, and I think one of the newer venues that's around is Sound System Studios in Sunbury. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember we yeah, played there before yeah,
1: Christmas. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, nice that, PA. Beautiful PA, great venue.
0: And the guy who runs it, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's a sound guy as well. And yeah. He just had it sounding uh, he knows how to pretty work schmick.
1: That, he knows how to work that desk, yeah. Yeah. That was a great gig, actually.
0: Yeah.
1: When you said last gig that we get. Did together i was thinking the bendigo hotel in collingwood but I, I totally forgot about the sound system yeah. but that was a great night yeah, yeah it was yeah hoping to get back there again yeah me too soon actually we'll set something up yeah stay tuned stay tuned
0: so um guitar wise what you've got a 12 string maton
1: got a 12 string maton yep um and uh that's been with me for about 10 years um and I also have a 12-string Cole Clark, um, which I've had for about eight years. Which one's better? Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> You know what? We are talking about it last night because um, the, the Cole Clark is my main one that I do a lot of, a lot of my work on because um, it's tuned. It's in an open tuning. Right. And the 12-string um, Maton, I, t- I keep tuned to another tuning as well. Mm. Um and I only probably do about four or five songs with that. Yep. Um but and then I also have a court um 12 string which was my first 12 string. Um and um I mean it's a good guitar. It's not it's not great acoustically, but um the pickup in it is um is fantastic. Um the Fishman pickups and it sounds really good. And I did Temple of Tunes 2006, you know, we I did probably three or four years with that guitar.
0: Mm. The courts make great guitars i reckon yeah the courts are really good
1: guitars if you spend money like mine was fifteen hundred dollars so someone told me years ago you know to get a decent guitar you've got to probably spend over a thousand bucks anything over that and you Mm. you, you're doing all right um but i still love my court but i don't take it with me to gigs anymore it's more Mm. of a house guitar yeah um just to practice on and then my um court and my mate and um sorry my um cole clark and my mate and my main Axes I take to the to the gigs Yeah Yeah, they're both really good And they're both really different Yeah um, But if you had to ask me which is my favourite I'd have to say the Cole Clark Right. Really? Yeah Okay Yeah Yeah, because uh,
0: I was uh, When did I get my maton? Back in 2013, I think The first I've got two matons now But the first one I got And I was tossing up Between a maton or a Cole Clark Yeah um it just happened that i think it's when billy Hydes was closing down oh, uh man. in flemington and michael yule was working there so he got it for me a little bit cheaper and i just i went for the maton just because it was there it was a sunburst and i liked it yep um otherwise i very may well have gone for a cole clark mm-hmm. um he's got a michael's got a really nice cole clark acoustic but yeah i can't say that i'm not happy with the maton
1: yeah uh, if you've got a mate and you're doing pretty well
0: yeah yeah but uh yeah the cork guitars are really good. I've got two of them actually. I brought one when I was maybe eighteen for about six or seven hundred bucks yep um I still use it that's my open c sort of tuned one mm-hmm. uh, and I brought another one, I think it was late two thousand eighteen um for about eight or nine hundred bucks, and that sounds beautiful yeah, it's okay. a great guitar yeah, but that's my my drop D sort of guitar now. Mm, Yeah. Um, So...
1: For the grunge. Spoiled for choice. (laughs) But, uh,
0: yeah, for the price, like, they're great guitars. Yeah,
1: good price, yep.
0: Um, So, uh, yeah, did you hear the sad news that Soundgarden didn't make the Rock and Roll Hall
1: of Fame nominations? Oh, you know what, I've been... Last week. I've been following that. And, um, yeah, bummer. But, you know what, I think um, Chris... um, he would he would not have liked that competition. He wouldn't have liked to get, you know, make it all a competition and vote, because he was never about that. He was he always said that um, music's not a competition. Um, so I don't think the boys at Soundgarden would be too worried about it, and I know Chris certainly won't be worried about it. Um, he's up there in, uh, wherever he is, in heaven, and mm. uh, looking down thinking, you know, don't stress, guys, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. Just to, to, I don't really buy into that whole thing, but it's a bit disappointing when you see oh, bands like Pearl Jam that are in there. And yeah. although it's not the be-all end-all, Soundgarden yeah. and Chris—they deserve to be there. Deserve, yep. That. Element of praise and mm, they do, but yeah, I mean they're in good company that they missed out. You know, Judas Priest missed out, and I think Motorhead missed yep. out again. So yeah, and you know. it's a voting
1: thing, isn't it? It's up, yeah, it's, it's, it's up to the people. Yeah, it's really weird, and I'm, sometimes people are crazy. I mean, I mean, just look at politics; they have they're voting voting some questionable people into fol- politics. And no, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes the word of the people's not true and correct. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe next year, but next year oh look i think it will happen just
0: a bit sad for chris's legacy i think but
1: yeah yeah, it's not to be
0: all end all maybe
1: maybe the world's not ready for Soundgarden to be inducted yet maybe they have to wait another three four five years Mm, yeah
0: yeah yeah um are you uh i think last time we spoke, you were working on a new album with Temple of Tunes. Yeah, finished
1: Fished. and done. Oh, yeah. Um, were you going to add a couple more songs or am I just... No, we were, but we, I don't think we right. are. We sort of run out of funds to do that. Yeah. Um, so, we've got seven. Right. Seven tracks. Is um, it an EP or an album? Well, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think we'll call it an album. Right. Um, there's some big songs on it and... The album length, I mean, there's a couple of six, six and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes, a, nearly a, a nine minute song on there. Mm. So in length, it's probably an album. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't make songs six, seven, eight minutes because uh, they don't get played on radio. Yeah. Um, and when I started writing um, for Temple of Tunes, um, I used to write six and a half minute songs. So I thought that that was a song. That was mm. how you wrote one. Yeah. Um, And people around me, mainly, you know, band members said, look, I've got to shorten these songs to get them on the radio. So we did. And uh, they're still not on the radio. So we just write what we write. (laughs) I mean, we've had some good airplay of, you know, Triple R and um, Triple J back in the early day. But um, a lot of community radio um, stations have been absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, uh, 3 Triple C, me on the spot, but there's there's probably half a dozen that have been great supporters of us. Um but this new album is not about um anything other than um just us putting them down and they are what they are. Um so we finished we recorded it at, at um Incubator Recording Studios down in Thornbury. Oh yeah with um, Adrian Ackerman. Adrian Ackerman, yep, love his work. He's he's worked he's done a few things for us now. We um we did a single um, probably two years ago uh, with Adrian and that one was recorded um, in Castlemaine um, and then we took that um, copy down to Adrian and said can you make something of this, uh, make some sense of it and he did and he did a wonderful job so we went back to him with uh, this album and um, we did it uh, in the studio, mm. um, not to a click track but we just played it live so yeah. Um, two days uh seven songs done and um, mm. then adrian sat down and mastered it for us which was great um really happy with the result it sounds it's probably i mean you say this every time but it's our best work to date i think yeah um, sound wise and song wise a lot of these songs we'd been playing for two years on the road and we just never recorded them so we thought we have to capture them mm. um and that helped playing them for two years because we went in the studio and we were just, yeah, it was sometimes, you know, two or three takes and it was like bang done. It's probably the pretty easy. The best way to capture your songs is
0: live. I think for so. For that very reason, because yeah. you've been playing them live and yep. catch uh,
1: the energy. Mm. Did you do your vocals separate? Did the vocals separate, yeah. yep. We did a, a vocal track first, a ghost vocal, and then took that off and did, went in the next day, the yeah. second day and did it. Yeah, yep.
0: cool. Mm yeah, no, we had Adrian on the show here, um maybe it was episode ten yeah. a while ago now. Yep. He was he was great and I saw um because I hadn't been into his studio for quite a while and he's obviously upgraded a lot of uh of his space there and um had some cool rooms and stuff, so yeah, that was great to see. But yeah. um yeah, he's pumped out some great great work.
1: Yeah, he's doing some good stuff down there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so you mentioned sort of the whole Seattle Scene, um, what other sort of bands or artists influence you, you know, in your guitar work and your songwriting
1: and all that sort of stuff? Um, I guess, um, back in the day, like yeah, when Seattle scene first broke, um, it was bands like, um, I think Nirvana, um, and Pearl Jam were the first two out the gate, um, and, um, you know, Nirvana, I, I sort of really didn't take to at the start. Um, although I can appreciate now um, the cleverness of, um, you know, the, the songwriting and whatnot. But um, And Pearl Jam come out and I, I sort of wasn't really a big fan of Pearl Jam. I, I was a bit, you know, and then this band, um, this band come out called Soundgarden. And as soon as I heard them, I was just blown away and I thought, who are they? And I was actually surprised. To discover that they'd come from Seattle and that same mm. movement. Um, and this is probably, you know, mid, or may, maybe late 80s, uh, 1990. When I first got into Soundgarden, I thought they were just fantastic. Um, mm. Closest thing I'd heard to um, Black Sabbath, you know, since yeah. those days. But really good. And then another band. So Soundgarden under my main influence. And then another band called Alice in Chains um, hit the scene. And I just loved their acoustic work um and their songwriting um not to mention lane's voice and everything Mm. um yeah so those two bands have been huge influence on my songwriting um as as many other people have like when you grow up you learn you know everybody learns the neil diamond songs and um well back in my day they did it was all all about songwriters and and you know storytellers um you know jackson brown neil diamond um Cat stevens the list is endless mm. um that's how you sort of learn how to put chords together and turn them into a song but yeah when soundgarden hit and alice in chains i just yeah i couldn't couldn't jump the fence quick enough to sort of get to know what they're doing mm. um and once i dis- discovered drop d tuning um yeah. it was like we're opened up a whole thing. new world to me i <laughs> i was playing in a in a heavy metal band in melbourne back then and um and i i discovered drop d and i just yeah just opened up yeah opened up a whole new world yeah it was really good
0: yeah i used to write in drop d a lot in the mm. early days i think yeah. silver or maybe nirvana well, together they were the ones where i picked up the whole yeah the uh, drop D tuning thing. Yeah. So, and yep. uh, yeah, stuck with it for quite a while. Mm. So.
1: And ironically, those two bands I just mentioned before, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, don't play a lot of drop D. It mm. just sounds like they do, but mm. they use a lot of weird tunings.
0: Yeah, Soundgarden in particular.
1: Soundgarden in particular. Alice in Chains are not more standard, um, but yeah, they, they do the odd drop D. Yep.
0: I think I just read that Jerry Cantrell signed with Gibson Guitars. Okay. In the Last couple of days, yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, he's an amazing guitarist.
1: Oh, he's Jerry fantastic. Ante- yeah, I'd
0: love to see some more acoustic-based stuff from him.
1: Actually, mm. yeah, didn't he have, didn't he release an album a few years back, a yeah, solo yeah. album? Yeah,
0: he's got two solo albums. Oh, two so solo albums. Yeah, mostly sort of the rock electric yeah. stuff and yeah. But I'd love to see like a full acoustic album mm. from him. That'd be great. Yeah. Um. So, how old were you when you first started playing guitar?
1: Um, I was really young. I, um, I think I was around five years old uh, when I first picked one up. Um, I I convinced my mum to buy me an acoustic, just hounded her and hounded her and she bought me one. So I can still remember, you know, sitting on the bed and just strumming it and not knowing a chord or anything. Mm. And it wasn't until, and I did that, I just used to make shapes and make noises, I guess. Um, that's what we still do. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> we still do. That's right. Um, some better, better than others. Yeah. Um, I think it was grade three primary school um, that that the word went out that one of the teachers uh, was giving guitar lessons, mm-hmm. and I just thought, wow, this is what I need. I, I knew a couple of chords. I um, my parents had bought me some chord books, so I knew the basics. Um, you know, uh, but when I was seven or eight, I remember um, starting to write music, um, or you know, little tunes. Um but it wasn't until grade three primary school that um, we started to learn actual songs. Uh, you know, once again cat Stevens, Neil Diamond. Um I think we started with Kumbaya and all that sort of stuff. Right. So yeah, it was from grade three and then right up until um I finished um primary school and when I got to technical school there was um not a lot musically happening. Um so it was basically you're on your own boy, teach yourself. So I took guitar lessons for probably 12 months and all the rest was just um jumping on the tram and and going into city and in into Allen's and going down to the the basement level and walking through and picking up the music sheets because there was no mm. um like today you just youtube something if you want yeah, to, to play so it. much easier now uh, isn't so much, it? and my kids do it too my youngest yeah. daughter she plays guitar and she's oh, yeah. getting quite good cool um and she you know i have her around and if she's got some spare time i say hey how's this going can you do this and can you do that and she shows me and i said what about this and she goes dad can you just can i film you it's like youtube and then she takes it home and le- and and learns it right oh. so yeah but back in our day it was all um tablature and yeah um, yeah reading a book and yeah,
0: I've still got old tab books, and yeah. I used to buy a lot of guitar magazines. You know, Guitar World. Yeah, yeah. And I used That's to hang out one. for those and too. You get,
1: you get the CD in it, and you yeah. listen to the song. And
0: yeah, I've got a stack of them in the yeah, garage. Yeah, so have there. I, so I'll, have I'll, I. I'll never get rid of them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just getting the tabs from mm. from those, and and buying the uh, yeah. You could buy the album books, like yep. you know, the Nevermind album or whatever. The whole mm. the whole book, and they weren't cheap. You no. know, back when you were younger, no, they were like yeah. 40 bucks a book. Yeah, I 39
1: think. bucks, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of money back then for yeah. a kid, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm. So, But yeah, much easier. If I go to learn a song these days, I'll probably just jump on Yeah, YouTube. I'll grab the tab off yeah. Ultimate Guitar Tabs and yeah. then uh, I'll get a bit lazy with mm. learning, so I'll go on YouTube and have a look.
1: Yeah, it's funny, like talking about learning songs, like uh, on Christmas break, um, I was down in Port Arlington and um, I was doing a bit of shopping and I walked into a shop and there was this song playing and I thought, I know this tune and I listened to it and it was a Pearl Jam, mm. Pearl Jam tune. Mm. And, um, and I thought, this is a great song. So I went home and I Googled it and I started toying around with it. Like um, where we were staying, they had a guitar, house guitar. So I started toying around with it and I thought, this is a really good song. Maybe I could just do this. and um, so last night in Bendigo, we played it, a, a cover oh. of this song called Release oh, yeah. uh, by Pearl Jam. Um, and my drummer, Clarky, I said to him, look, I'm going to do a cover. Um, you know, I usually throw, more recently in the last couple of years, I throw some covers in. People ask for them, so, yeah, I just started doing it. Um, so started the third set with this song, and Clarky had never heard it before, didn't even know the song. He's not a fan. Um... And I said, listen, do you want me to show you the YouTube of the song so you can pick up on the drums? And he goes, okay. So I played it to him, held the phone to his ear and he heard, that heard you know, probably about 16 bars of the song. Mm. I said, that's basically it. So we played this song and uh, and it went well. It was really good. But cool. that's, um, that just goes to show you how you can, uh, you know, these days YouTube's right at your mm. fingertips, literally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fine. Good drummers. I know a couple that just have to hear a bit of the song, and somehow they just and they just pick it up yeah, straight away. Like, yeah, that's like, <laughs> right. How do you do that? Yeah, Um
1: yeah. Is that off the Pearl Jam's first album? I, I don't think. know. I don't. I, maybe I'm. I'm not sure. Fresh. I just know the song, and um, and I think it's. I think it's a beautiful song. Mm. Um, it's got such power and emotion in it. Yeah, and I really like that about it. I think I remember them
0: talking about it in the the Pearl Jam movie. It may have been about eddie's
1: dad i think uh it is about eddie's dad yeah Yeah. i read up on it too he's apparently i think his dad passed away when Mm. eddie was quite young yeah so he grew up with um stepdad yeah and it was it's an ode to his to his father and it's it certainly got that in the lyrics yeah
0: Yeah. no i remember that in the movie and i think i'm pretty sure it was off the first album so i think they're due for a new album. Or they're hinting at it, maybe this year or something. Yeah,
1: I saw a post the other day. Um, Pearl Jam to release a new one—the first one in so many years. Hope it's so a good one. That'd be interesting. Pearl Jam's one of those bands that have grown on me, and it's just through um, people telling me at gigs that uh, that what we're doing reminds them a little bit of Pearl Jam. Yeah, okay. And um, and I thought, you know what? Oh, yeah, I wasn't really big on Pearl Jam until um eddie Vedder wrote the, wrote the soundtrack to um a movie called into the wild oh yeah which is a really good um a really good film in its own yeah. merit but the the soundtrack that eddie wrote is just fantastic and that's when i i bought that album i think that was my p- first pearl jam mm. or not it well, eddie Vedder album yeah and i played the death out of it like listened to it and yeah. thought wow and then i started listening to pearl jam more yeah so, yeah. I mean, I've always known about Pearl Jam. They're big songs and stuff, you know, mm. uh, but never actually physically owned any of their CDs or anything. But now I've got a couple. I've got Verses and Ten. Yeah. They're classic albums. Yeah. But that was all through Eddie's work with that movie, Into the Wild. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was a great movie. Mm, um, yeah. Really pretty full on. Yeah, and a great message. Good yeah. message, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, the soundtrack was really good. What was interesting, I thought about that, was the songs were so short.
1: Yeah. Just really short songs. Yes. And it's like, fuck. Some of them were two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well,
0: I I remember feeling not ripped off at the time, but it's like, they they felt like snippets of songs. But then, I don't know, it grew on me and I just, I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. Sometimes we try and put too much, too many parts into a song and. yeah. Like, remember the Beatles, you know, a lot of their earlier stuff, they were really short songs, mm. just straight to the point, no fucking around. Yeah. Um. But now you feel like you've got to have, you know, breakdowns and interludes and mm. bridges and stuff yeah. like that, when maybe you don't always need to. Yeah. Um, especially acoustically, you know, as a solo artist, maybe. Yeah.
1: So... I think it'd probably be a really hard thing to do, someone give you a movie and say, hey, uh, this movie is about, um, you know this person's life can you write yeah 12 short songs about this guy's life yeah i mean geez where do you start yeah you know yeah and how do you put how do you put it into words yeah um i think it's amazing what he's done he nailed it yeah he nailed it yeah
0: um I i was talking to bob crane uh last week on the last episode about the Taste of Indie Collective we had going for a while and you were a big part of that as well.
1: Yeah, that was a a great thing.
0: I was trying to remember, like, did I meet you through Bob or did I I meet Bob through you?
1: All right. I think now (laughs) I might be wrong on this. Yeah. But um, I answered a a post on Melbourne to Bob and we met up at the John Curtin Hotel in Carlton years ago and... um, and then from there, he told me he about his... It was his brainchild. He told me about his plan um, to put together, um, you know, a bunch of trios and call it the Taste of Indie uh, or trios. Um, and I thought that was a great idea. And I thought, okay, I know a couple of people, so I think I put you in touch with Bob right. early on in the scene because mm. you had a trio going at the time. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, look, we did... Um. We did a lot of shows, didn't we? With, yeah, with apes. Bob and yeah. And in the end, I think we had a roster of uh, nearly twenty something artists. Yeah, sort of expanded quite it, big. It, it took off like wildfire. Yeah. Um. Some shows were really good, and some were not so good. Um, yeah. In term in terms of attendance, but uh, which is you know that's that's the whole music scene. But um, it certainly, I think it finished a bit prematurely um yeah. but i know that uh there was a big we went out in a big hurrah which was the at the um the brunswick hotel uh the brunswick what was the place in brunswick
0: yeah the brunswick hotel the yeah. brunswick hotel that the iLive festival yeah the iLive live that festival and that yeah. was, that
1: was great i couldn't actually play that um oh, right. and which i was you know it, i was cut that i couldn't play it but i had another date and i was I dropped in at the end of the night just to see everything was going. And when I walked through those doors, the place was full and everyone was, it was great. It reminded me of music when I was growing up, when Mm. I was playing in bands at the age of 17, 18, 19, 20, how people used to go out and pack these places Mm. and see bands yeah and it was a lot and that that's due to a lot of work a lot of hard work from a lot of people oh yeah um you know everybody in the collective in in this indie collective everybody did something and it was a three-month lead out to to get that there like some guy Mm. someone handled press someone got radio interviews bob did a heap of work i I, even though i couldn't play i did what i could Mm. um everybody did something and that's why it was so successful
0: and i think Big credit to the venue as well, the Brunswick Hotel. Like, oh, the yeah,
1: venue were good enough to take us on was, and do
0: it. That was just a good venue. Yeah. yeah I think yep. it was in a good spot. Mm. Yeah, so, it's a shame what happened, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think with the taste of indie, I think Bob, at the end of the day, Bob was left with just too much on his shoulders with the whole thing. Yeah, he so, was, yeah. Which is understandable, so...
1: Yeah, I totally get it. Um, And everything, you know, nothing lasts forever. Everything yeah. runs its course, but... Yep. Um. Yeah. I mean, Bob's been a big advocate for years about um live music. He does a lot. Um. And you know, he secured or helped secure the residency at um at the Prince of yeah. Wales, the Front Bar, which yeah. was a which was a good gig. Yeah. For any muso. Yeah. Um. it was great. And that went on for maybe one or two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A a lot longer than it was intended.
1: Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. It was going to be a a six week trial and ended up being you know. 15, 16, 17 months or something.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, Melband.
1: Melband, yeah. And you
0: know what? Melband is back. Is it? Yeah. So I got an email uh, a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know it had left. Well, I guess, you know, like Facebook's got so many forums Uh, and um, pages for musos and maybe it just lost its, uh, yeah, lost the need for it. But Mm. I got an email a couple of weeks ago and I was going to talk to Bob about this, but. We didn't get to it in two hours. <laughs> um, yeah, it's back. I got an email and I, I signed up um, just because, you know. Yeah. And it looks like they've sort of revamped it a bit. Okay. So, it'd be interesting to see if it, you know, has any sort of effect or if anyone needs it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's where we used to find. All our gig musos. opportunities and yeah musos. Back yep. in the day before, yes. before Facebook, I guess. Yep. Um, but yeah, Facebook's got so many music pages and it has, yeah. forums and yep. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that it's back and, uh, I
1: signed up straight away. Good old Melband. I remember when it first hit, I think I was, uh, living in Castlemaine, working in Bendigo and I discovered it and thought, wow, you know, I, I spend every spare moment on it. Um, just yeah. looking and searching for gig opportunities and band members and, yeah, it was a good good resource.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it takes off. Yeah. Yeah, I think you uh, start up a profile and, mm. you know, you add all your, your social links and that sort of thing and a photo and so, we'll see what yep. happens, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yep. So, you were, you were born in Melbourne and then you sort of moved to Castlemaine in your 20s, I think you were saying.
1: Yeah, um born in born and bred in Melbourne, um, Preston boy. Um I sort of lived in Preston and the north of Melbourne as well. Um but at the ripe old age of uh how old was I? Probably twenty three, twenty four years old. Um decided to move to Castlemaine, Change of change of scenery. Yep. Tree change. Before tree change was in fashion. Yep. Um, moved up there and, um, yeah, started a family, had raised my children up there. Um, and, uh, spent 16, 17 years in Castlemaine. Um, so it's, I still sort of call it home. Um, uh, cause it's where I raised my family. Um, and met a lot of good people up in Castlemaine, um, uh, mm-hmm. big music scene. Yeah. Um, and that's where Temple of Tunes was born, um. We used to go to, we used to play, I played around in a covers band up there for about nine years, um, and we were pretty busy around the area, um, playing, you know, most weekends. And then it became apparent that, uh, you know, I wanted to sort of do something on the side, um, you know, origi- an original project. So I used to go down to the Five Flags Inn in Campbell's Creek, and they and used to have an open mic on a Friday night, um, so I'd get up there with my 12-string guitar and cool i'd written probably two or three songs and i just used to put them on rotation you don't you do only get it you know two songs yeah um to do in the set um and it was from there that i met other like-minded musos um so after a couple of lineup changes and some resettling temple of tunes was formed and um cool and they sent us to the pub the five flags the lady that used to run it um I can't remember her name, but lovely, lovely lady. She sent us to Melbourne to record our first um, album. Well, wow. Which was done in, once again, two days live in the studio. And I think yeah. our bass player had been with us for four weeks and Clark, he was drumming. We'd, he'd been with me for about, I don't know, six months. And and I had uh, lead guitarist Paul Golasco as well, we um, were a five-piece. Cool. Um and, yeah, things were going great, and we did that album, um, and that was a good one, good first one. Yeah. Um, that's So, yeah, Temple of Tunes is Castlemaine's home, and that's where the band was born, so uh, musically, um, on the CV, that's where we sort of... Yeah. Yeah. So, our roots.
0: with the, the scene over oh, up there, um, a lot of the same venues that were around in those days, are they still sort of around, or are they closed down?
1: Um, a lot of them sort of closed down. Yeah. Um. You know they're they're affected like everybody else. Um, but but there's been a resurgence recently in the last probably three to four years. Yeah, they're starting to open up again. Um, and live music is back, um, which is great to hear. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you know they get places closed down and new owners open them up, and they might might have been a live music venue, but then they want to open it up as a cheese and tapas bar or a or a wine bar or something. So yeah. And that runs its course, and eventually someone will take it over again and say, "Right, we're going to do pub grub and live music again." So yeah, it's beautiful yeah. Up there.
0: I mean, I played the, what was it the Shed Shaker Tap Room? Mm.
1: Um,
0: Hol- uh, not Holgate. So that's in Woodend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the Shed, Shed Shaker, Shaker ta- t- Brewery. Yeah, yeah, the brewery. Yeah. So yeah. that was last year, and I think um, mm. you you came down to that actually.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good gig. Good little venue. Yeah, great venue. It's a great venue. I've played there a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I think I've got another one coming up there in April. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good venue to play. Yeah. That's a new one. Um, That's a new venue. Um, There used to be lots. There's still the Bridge Hotel. Um, The Criterion Hotel in Castlemaine is hosting music again. Yeah. Um, Has been for a couple of years. Um, And then the Red Hill is sort of trying to get back into music. Oh, is that where we played? Yeah, we played there. A couple of years ago. That's right um yeah
0: yeah, that was nice inside i think Mm. we tried to go back there soon after but it didn't pan out for
1: some reason i can't remember now yeah new owners took over
0: they didn't have a proper booker did they they was just the
1: lady die die yeah lovely soul she's um she's she was uh in charge of that for many years she was good to deal with yeah but she's no longer there um and they've got new owners and they're trying to get live music back there, but I'm not too sure what they're doing. Right. I don't think anybody knows. I, I've heard the food and everything and the atmosphere is great, so, and they've done a lot of work um, on the beer garden and all that. Yeah. I think they have a couple of Irish bands, or they might have a jam there on a Sunday. Mm. Um, but I don't think they're actively seeking bands, but I might be wrong. But, Kay. you know, there's other places around Casamanda that are started, starting to make a comeback in the district. Um, the Five Flags and um, even the Guildford Hotel has, has bands um so yeah there's there's places to play but when we're up there you can only play around the district so many times so then you'd have to go to bendigo you'd have to go to melbourne so i mean years and years and years were spent driving to melbourne playing gigs driving home Mm. yeah
0: i really i like getting out of melbourne to play some of those regional gigs yeah so i'm hoping to do more of that this year because it's good to play in Melbourne, but it's, it's great to get out of Melbourne, too. Yeah. It's, it's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, so, last year, um, you joined us at Poppet Head Records.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very late in the year, I think it was. Just, yeah, a couple of months before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were flooding my news, news feed because of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, because something you were doing with them. Yeah. And um, so, I hit them up with a message. Yeah. And then, um, Trevor... Trevor actually called me and we had a really good chat and I really didn't know what they do, did, I thought they were just uh, like a booking agency, yep. facilitator, um, so Trevor and I had a really good chat and he told me about, all about Poppethead and what they are and what they're about and I thought, well, this sounds very interesting and, um, he, and he invited me along to, um, to to join them, Yeah. so that was really good, um, they're doing great things up there in Bendigo mm. and beyond, yep,
0: yep, yeah, hopefully we can ramp it all up a bit this year and yeah. come together and do some stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, nice to be part of something other than just yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is, <laughs> so, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're just floating yeah. around there on your own, yeah. where you're going wherever, not yeah. really being a part of any sort of scene or
1: I think group. as, yeah, you're right. I think as musicians, we all try, we all know we need to network and sometimes it's really hard for a musician to get out there and network, because they're so, I mean, we're all self-obsessed with what we're doing mm. and where we're going and the course we're steering. And some, sometimes we see other people, we meet other, other people along the way and sometimes we're not open um, to, you know, suggestions to maybe jump on and network with those people. Um, and sometimes we network and we and we get burnt. Um, things mm. don't work out. And then we think, ah, oh, you know. Um, but it's good to be able to, it's good to actively seek people and um, do your homework on 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 the net, on who you're going to network with. Do your homework. Are they on the same page as you? They've got to tick a couple of boxes, and if they are, it doesn't hurt to mm. give it a go mm-hmm. um, because it can open up so many other doors that yeah. wouldn't have been. You wouldn't have even seen. You would have walked past.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Trevor's a, a great guy and is um. Yeah, I was really glad that I got the chance to meet him and he's been really helpful, you know, uh, helping me get the sound right with this mm. podcast. So We were talking about that last night. Yeah, he's <laughs> the one that I sort of go to because he uses Reaper and yeah, obviously this is new territory for me. Mm. Um, so it's been a bit of a crash course, you know, I've learned a lot. Um, but yeah, when I get stuck, I definitely go to him, and um, he's been really helpful. So yeah, he turned me onto the the Scarlet Two I Two here, and um, that's done wonders. So yeah, and thanks everyone for being patient with the with the sound. Um, I know there's some pretty horrible sounding podcasts out there, but um, I knew I had to get it right, and bit by bit we're getting there. So mm. um, from
1: now on, it should be pretty good. Yeah, travel. Uh, Trevor came last night to our gig in Bendigo, popped yeah, in, um yeah. and then afterwards was sort of packing up and having a chat with him. Talking about all things business and your name popped up. Um and I said I was coming down here today to do this podcast and he he told me that he was um in the early days he was helping you out with mm. with a couple of things and different edits and mm. recommending different things and I thought oh yeah that's great. Mm. Um but even myself listening to your podcast um, early on, it was good, but I've noticed the last few, the sound quality has been really good. Yeah, um, this is the
0: the Scarlet. It's just made mm. my life
1: so much easier.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. And al- also, Joshua Whitehead's been really helpful as well, so yeah, down at Crosstown Studios, so it's nice to know people who know what the hell they're talking about <laughs> with yeah. this sort of stuff. Cause That's cause that it's whole
1: networking like, thing I was talking yeah, about before. Yeah yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, you meet some great people, so... Mm. Uh, so are we going to see this new album drop
1: this year? Um, it has to, doesn't it? Because uh, we finished it before Christmas and I was so excited. And, you know, when you get a new album, you, you bring it home, you get the files delivered and you bring it home, you got the CD, then you play it to your immediate family and one or two very close friends and you think, geez, I'm proud of that. That's really good. Now I need to do the artwork, the packaging, <laughs> you know, it's endless. Yeah um christmas happened and i thought you know normally i would get it out i would set in the past i said right i've got to get it out and i've got to do everything and make it happen really quickly but i just thought you know what i know it's in the can i know it's there and i'm gonna um i'm gonna do it when i feel right Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna rush this one Mm -hmm. um look i am keen to get it out there but it's just gonna be a slow release i think um and i really don't know how i'm gonna release it like i've got to talk to some people um i don't know if i'm just going to go digital i don't know if i'm going to go digital and cd and the artwork the album name i've got some ideas but i've not settled on it um in in the past i've just thought of an album name within you know a week or two um and then the artwork i just you know get done within the month and slap it on and bang bob's your uncle yeah um but this, t- I think I'm just going to take my time with this one. And look, I'd like to think probably, um, if, if not before, if not before March, it'll have to wait until May, uh, cause I've got a real busy period coming up mm. and, um, yeah. So, but it'll be this year for sure. Cool. Yep. Oh, uh, where, where can people find you? You're on Facebook, Temple of Tunes. Facebook, Temple of Tunes. Um. Reverb Nation, Temple of Tunes, um, Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I don't use Instagram much, but I'm told I should. Yeah. Um, I know we have to do all this. Uh, it's Bob touched on it. You know, the other week. Mm. Um, it's not something I like doing, but you need to do it. I don't mind jumping on Facebook. Yeah. Um, which I do regularly. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I know you can have more linked and everything. Um. Had some people ask me last night if our music was on Spotify and I said um no. There's only one song on Spotify. So I don't even know is is this album gonna go on Spotify? Well probably should, but will it? I, mm. I can't guarantee that. I don't know. Um I like the idea of um, I like the idea of people coming to gigs and buying a CD. Yeah. But maybe maybe that time's passed. Maybe people just like hunting digital nowadays i think you can do both like yeah especially
0: with the venues you play and the crowds that are there i think mm. there could be more cd yeah. sort of people but
1: okay. even cars now like i've got some friends that just bought some cars recently they don't oh. have cd players yeah yeah so they no. have um spotify yeah you plug your spotify in so but as you you're right, probably have to do both yeah, yeah,
0: it's pretty easy to do both, I mean, yeah, both cost money, obviously, but mm. it's good to have the option yeah, both for the the different people that mm. listen to their music in different ways, and I mean yeah. I, I'd listen to both, you know, um probably CDs in the car as well as spotify yeah, but so yeah do I. but yeah. yeah, some cars don't have c d players anymore, mm. yeah, even computers that you buy now don't yeah, I don't think they have the c d ROM yeah. Anymore. Okay. Um this one I think Oh yeah,
1: no, I'm wrong. This one does. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah, it's yeah, I think you gotta be everywhere.
1: Which is ironic, isn't it? Because um Spotify, you know, MP three um is a, is, you know, the way you know, it's the lowest form of it's the lowest quality of music. Mm um, really, and that's what people will settle for these days. But anyway, um that's the way of the world, um you know.
0: Well, look forward to hearing the new stuff, even though I've heard it live. But a lot of yeah. people haven't, so yep. I'm sure it sounds great. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, we'll have to do another show pretty damn soon. Definitely,
1: I mm. think Soundbar could be on the cards because yeah. it was such a good venue. Yeah, sa- um, yeah, in Sunbury there. It's and really they're, they're great. great guys down there that yeah.
0: that run that. And having good sound just makes you know all oh, yeah. the difference. Yeah. So,
1: yep. Yeah.
0: Well. Thanks, Brett, for being on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for coming down. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. Thanks, everyone, for listening in again. Um, I've got uh, Josh Durno from Tassie, who's on the show um, very soon, and also Rob Heller. So we've got a got a few shows pumping out, which is great. So, um, but yes, thanks, Brett, for being on the show, and uh, we'll um, chuck some um, chuck some of Brett, Brett's links in the show notes. So. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you
1: all again soon thanks guys see ya thank you bye